Well, good morning. My name is Fred Norman, your pastors. And uh, last week, uh, my friend and uh, fellow, fellow uh, Taylor University grad and your campus pastor, uh, Lance Stockton, invited you to give me five. And uh, he said that he just needed five minutes and he wouldn't be like Fred Noel, who takes more than five minutes. And I said, I'll get, you, I'll get you next week, buddy. If you can't dish it out, then you can't take it. So I thought I need to be able to take it. What he failed to acknowledge is that every week when he preaches, he's saying basically, give me 30, right? So this week, I'm saying, give me 30. God has uh, given us a message this week, and uh, I, I pray that he speaks through me, that I don't get in the way of what he's trying to do. And um, I'm excited for what God's laid on my heart this week and what's being shared. Um, I have an admission to give to you all. My family and I are not good at escape rooms. Anybody with me? Escape rooms? Yeah, anybody who's not good at escape rooms? If you don't know what that is, um, it's where you pay quite a bit of money to go into a room. They lock you in there for 60 minutes with some cryptic clues. And either you find your way out or you're about to kill each other at the end of the 60 minutes. So this is about how it goes. We go into this room and someone opens a drawer. And there's like 50 keys. And so there's all these cabinets with locks and people take random keys. They're trying to open all these locks. Nothing's working. No one's keeping track of what keys are being used for which lock. Someone else finds a piece of paper. It's got some like Egyptian hieroglyphics on it that you're supposed to translate. And there's like a, if you've ever seen the movie National Treasure, it's like someone finds a pair of glasses and they're like looking at these things. Maybe this is it. And then someone else finds a book on Morse code. Like, well, I think you take this equipment over here with the headphones and you use this key, keypad and, and you, you take this from Morse code and you translate. So 10 minutes in, you realize there's someone watching you the whole time. Like, hey, if you need a clue, let me know. And so we're like, yeah, get, help us. Give us a clue. It's like, well, you take this sheet and you do this and that. Well, about 20 minutes left, my family and I were like, can we just, can you let us out early? We're just, we're all ready for dinner and like, we're done here. We're like gonna lay each other out here real fast. So when I think about going from captivity in that room to freedom finally, it reminds me a whole lot of the story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. They're traveling through, they're trying to figure out how to do this and they're, they're waiting for someone to give them some clues. So along the way, God continues to do that. So Andrew Smiley did a great job last week talking about how God sent 10 plagues against the Egyptians. And finally, Pharaoh, the king of the then most powerful nation in the entire world, said, okay, go, go from here. And we're gonna take it from there and we're gonna see some of the challenges that they faced along the way. And what the Israelites felt and what I often feel, and maybe you do too, is that God does not provide for his people. You're going along, you hit a roadblock, you hit an illness, you hit a financial struggle, you're crying out to God, and he doesn't provide. He doesn't provide. Ever felt that way? There's a lights complaining, arguing, God, why do you not provide? Here's what I pray that you learn by the end of today. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. God does provide for his people. Maybe not the way you expect it, not in, in your timing, you know, he's never early, but he's rarely late. He's never late. Let's ask God to lead us. You guys bow your heads with me a minute. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you are reliable, that you are faithful, that we can trust in you no matter what. 
Help us to do that. Help us to be obedient. Lord, not to trust in our own intellect or resources. Speak to us through your word. God, I just simply pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be so pleasing to you today and that we would live this out outside of this room or not just say yes, amen, nod our heads and walk out and live differently, but we would trust you. Lead us in that, Father. Praise in Jesus' name, amen. All right, people, we're gonna be in Exodus 13 to 16 the entire morning. And so open up your phones. You can look at your phones. No social media, please. No texting, no email. I see you. Got cameras in the back. Use your phone for scripture. Grab the Bible out of the pew. If you don't have a Bible, take the Bible out of the pew and take it home. I'm not kidding. We would love for you to take that as your first Bible. We're gonna start in Exodus 13, 17 to 18. Exodus 13, verses 17 to 18. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, and that was not an easy process, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. I thought it might help to show you a map. Can we throw that map up there? Let's see if we have that map. Okay, so you can see upper left-hand corner where it says Egypt in big dark type. They came from Ramses. They're going to Canaan is the promised land. Upper right-hand corner. Okay, so you see how they went south to the Red Sea and then they continue to go south after that? That is not the direct route. That is not the best way, in their opinion. It is not the shortest way. But what we know is that God doesn't take them, doesn't take us either, the most direct, shortest way. So often, it feels like God detours his people. It seems like you can see where he's leading you. You can see where you think you need to go. And maybe that is where God is taking you. Maybe you're not ready. I know there are plenty of times with me in my life, this road to, to ministry was about a 10-year journey. And I learned a lot, many things I needed to learn. So what you need to remember is that God's way is best. It's best. It always is. Might not be the shortest. It's the best way. Not the easiest. It's just the best. So we have to trust him. Maybe you're in a spot right now, you feel like you're on a detour. Trust God. Trust God. Listen for the directives. Listen for the clues. Let's keep reading. Exodus 14, 1 through 4. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp at Pi-hi-harath between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Braille Zephon. Then Pharaoh will think. The Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. You know, God's military strategy is flawless. It's not even fair. He made Pharaoh. He knows exactly what Pharaoh's thinking. So honestly, the poor guy, he never had a chance. Pharaoh doesn't have a chance against the Almighty God. Neither does anyone else that's opposing the people of God. God is in control. He knows what's happening. He knows the best way. Seemed like a detour. 
But God's telling Moses, trust me, trust me, trust me. I have a reason for this. This isn't by mistake. I'm in control. You know, I can just picture Pharaoh and his officials. They wake up the next morning and, you know, the, the firstborn have been dead and, and they're just wondering what is happening and the people have left. And, and they're, so they're, they're in there shaving whatever Egyptians do in the morning and they're thinking, we just let 600,000 men and women and, and children, over a million people, all these slaves, we just let them go? We just let them go. What are we thinking? We got these storage cities and facilities and all these projects that are half completed. Who's going to do all that work? Looking in the mirror thinking, we have to find people to do all that work. This is cr- What have we done? So Pharaoh sends all his military forces, all his chariots, all his charioteers, most powerful nation in the world at that time, he sends his entire army to chase after them. Exodus 14, 13 and 14. It says, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. So they're standing there, they're by the Red Sea, and they, they realize, they see the Egyptian army coming. He tells them, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Don't you love Moses' faith? So he heard God speak through the burning bush that didn't burn. He said, I I can't speak to Pharaoh. I can't do it. I stutter and I, I can never do that. And God says, okay, okay. Aaron can go with you, but you're doing it. Just go. So he goes and all these signs, all these wonders, all these plagues. Incredible faith. And yet, I really believe that there's some questions in Moses' mind. He knows God's in control. He says, just stay calm. But I think he's thinking to himself, I'm not really sure how this is going to happen. I really believe that. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. But I think as leaders, I kind of wish, and the Bible is perfect, but if this is me, I kind of wish it would have been like just a little tweak of honesty, like stay calm, not exactly sure what's going to happen. But God's in control. It's going to be okay. Erwin, Erwin McManus is a pastor in California. And uh, I'd listen to him once in a while. And uh, his wife told him that he needs to stop saying, I don't know. And he said, what do you mean? He said, when you're leading the people, you tell them God's leading you to do something, you always say that you don't know. When they ask you questions about, well, how are you going to get there? How is, gonna, how is God going to provide this and that? And you say you don't know. He said, well, I think people would rather have an honest leader than one that tries to act like they have all the answers all the time. So I kind of wish Moses would have said, I don't know, at least exactly how it's going to happen because of what God says in the next verse. Exodus 14, 15, and 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Anyone else see that as funny? Like, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. So, first of all, Christians and pastors, sometimes when we're convicted and we know what God's leading us to do, and we don't really want to do it, just being honest, We don't have the courage. We don't want to take the risk. We're not sure what people will think. We'll say, we just need to pray about it a little more. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Prayer is the most important thing. Praise God, there's a group praying before every service. We have a National Day of Prayer service here Thursday night. People are here praying. And I believe White River is becoming more and more of a praying church. Won't you join us? Won't you join us and pray more and more in your homes while you're driving, wherever you are? Most important thing, don't get me wrong. But there comes a time, and it's biblical, I believe, because God says, why are you crying out to me? Do something. Tell the people to get moving. Hold your staff over the water so it will part. And this reminds me of that escape room. I think Moses is like, I didn't even know that was a thing. How am I supposed to know? I could hold my staff over the water. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And, and the miracle happens. It's incredible. You know, God detours his people. He also brings us to a place of hopelessness. He brings us to a place of hopelessness. They got the Egyptian army. They got the Red Sea. Like, what are we going to do, Moses? We never should have left Egypt. We had it good. Now we're going to die. Moses says, just stay calm. But I don't know what's going to happen real here. Just hold your staff over. It's like, okay. And he's obedient. He's obedient. So important. Listen to how this happens. Unbelievable. This happened. I believe this is 100% true and accurate. Exodus 14, 21 to 31. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud. He threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. They passed over safely. God provided in an amazing way. So my challenge again, don't give up on God. Maybe you're feeling like you're in a detour. Maybe you feel like you're, you're in a situation that's hopeless, in a relationship that's hopeless. It's not gonna work, God. You're in a financial situation that's hopeless. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. God provides the way, even when it seems hopeless. He provides the way, like Jesus says in John 14, verse six, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We're all captive to sin. No matter what your situation is, we're all captive to sin. God provides the way. 
out of that hopelessness. If you're here today and you're, you're not knowing, like Chris had said, who your Savior is, you haven't committed your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you feel like you're hopeless, God provides the way, even when it seems hopeless. Let's keep going. Exodus 15, 22 to 24. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Mara, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Mara, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So three days they traveled. Now, right after they got out of the, the Red Sea and all the water crashed back in, and they saw this, can you imagine a million people, just over a million people, just celebrating? Moses has a song. It's in Exodus 15. Miriam and all the, all the Israelites sing an incredibly powerful worship song. We're going to sing a little bit again at the, at the end of the service. And we sing to celebrate what God has done. And if you're someone that comes in and, and when we worship God, you just stand there with your mouth closed, I want to challenge you today. Open your mouth. Worship God. Celebrate what he's done. That's what the people did three days ago. But now they're thirsty. So they're complaining again. Isn't that just human nature? God does incredible things. A few days later, forget all about it. We're complaining again. So those of you that are familiar with the Israelite story, you know that God calls them a stiff-necked and stubborn, rebellious people. They complain the whole time. And, and, and that, although that's true, and we can learn lessons from them, I do want to cut them a little slack. I remember when I was in the Grand Canyon with my kids, and we're coming up the zigzag path, and it's hot. It's in the summertime. I got my little bottle of water, and it's getting pretty low. I'm thinking, are there any drinking fountains on the way up? Is there any place to fill these? I think there's a place like, you know, I think we might have like 20 minutes left. Like it might take a half an hour. Did you read the text? Did you listen to that? They traveled in the desert for three days. Three days, people, without finding any water. We're not talking about 20 minutes. And they finally find water. Praise God, we found water. It's bitter. You can't drink it. You know, kind of seems like God does not provide for his people. Got over a million people that are thirsty. And there's, there's water, but they can't drink it. Sure didn't seem like God provided for them. Let's keep going. Exodus 16, 1 through 3. Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin between Elam and, Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we at least, there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us to death. Here they are again, complaining. No food, first no water. Now I have no food, we're gonna die. Why don't we just die in Egypt? That would've been a lot better. Well, again, look what it says. Just to cut them a little slack, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. So I've skipped the breakfast and lunch, and um, boy, by dinner time, I'm hangry. You can ask my wife. I'm like, I'm ready for some food. And I'm not saying they didn't eat for a month, they took some food, but I don't know exactly how much food they had, but they traveled for a month. So you got to believe that they didn't have a whole lot of food left. Got to believe that 
They're thinking that God's not really providing. They're feeling like a lot of us do, incorrectly, that God does not provide for his people. So what happens? Let's see what happens. Exodus 15, 25. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. This is when they're at Marah. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. He was obedient. Again, tell me this isn't a little bit like the escape room. Hey, I got this piece of wood. Somehow God, how did that happen? Somehow God showed him, and he knew if he put it in the water that they could drink it. But I think Moses is, again, he's, he's trusting God. And just like the staff of the water, he didn't know that was a thing. Like, where is there any kind of example of, you know, when you find a piece of wood, you put it in the water, and if it's bitter, then they can drink it. You know, nobody knows that. God provides in supernatural ways, ways you never dreamed of, ways you didn't think were possible, ways that are above and beyond anything we can come up with. I can't believe that, that. I don't know exactly how that happened. I can't believe it was ever done, but it made it possible to drink. Exodus 15, 26 to 27. This is the compelling why. A lot of these things are happening. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. After leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elim, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They camped there beside the water. God said, you think that one spring with the wood in it that you could drink was, was amazing, was pretty cool? Well, here's 12 springs and 70 palm trees. This is what I can do with ease if you just trust me. The compelling why is he just wants us to obey him. He wants obedience. He wants obedience and trust, even when we can't see him working. He wants to know that we trust him. So again, my challenge is, you, is to you, don't give up on God. I can't say it enough, people. Do not give up on God. God does provide for his people. Let's look at Exodus 16. We're going to bounce around a little bit here. Um, obviously, we're covering a lot of scripture. Thanks for hanging with me. But I will uh, let you know what verses we're on. Exodus 16, verse 4. If you want to turn with me there. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go and pick up as much food as they need for the day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. Again, I'm going to provide, but you better follow my instructions. My way is best. My way is the best. Verse 8. Jump down to verse 8. Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning, for he has heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. And jump down to 11 through 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you have meat to eat, in the morning you have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. The next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. 
And Moses told them, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. Now jump down to 18. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. God provided manna in the morning. He provided quail for meat for the people because he knew they were hungry. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. God always provides for his people. So regardless of where you are in life, in terms of challenges you're facing, um, I just want you to know that you can trust in our almighty God, the God that spoke and created the entire universe. Um, you probably have many stories where you've reached dead ends, where you felt hopeless. Maybe you have some stories of, of where God's provided. I, I've got a story of, in our own lives, in our family, of, of when we felt detoured and, and we felt like God had called us uh, to adopt children. We'd gone on a mission trip when we were in college in Bolivia before we were married and we felt like, okay, God called us to adopt children. We had three kids biologically and then uh, my wife you know, said, okay, if, if we're going to do this, we, we need to do this pretty soon. I'm like, I know. It's, there's a financial commitment. There's a lot of paperwork and finally I said, okay, we're going to do this. And um, my wife always wanted to do a lot of things actually and she does do a lot of things. She's an amazing risk taker and so she always wanted to get into real estate and fix up a house and, and flip it. Well, she saw a house in Kokomo after looking for a long time. So that looks like a cute house. We could fix that up and sell it. Like, we have no idea what we're doing. You know, I'm a little handy, but so we looked at it. Price went down. We bid below it. Next thing you know, we got the house. Like, we got the house. Like, oh no, we got the house. <laughs> so I drive up there on my day off on Friday. I'm trying to do flooring and I'm doing some plumbing. We're going to, you know, raise money for this adoption and and, uh, you know, we're, we're up all night, you know, one night caulking. Our kids are sleeping in the rooms. We've got a showing the next day. And there's this former youth pastor. Actually, no, this was a, a current youth pastor that was interested in it. We're like, God, it's provided. This is amazing. And the sale fell through. It's like, that's okay. You know, detour. Then it was a retired pastor, I think, was, was another one that was interested in it. A little later, and we're like, oh, great. It's gonna, they're going to buy the house. They didn't buy the house. So by November, we still hadn't sold it. So we tried to sell it by owner, and God bless all you realtors. My brothers are realtors, um, but we had to use a, a realtor um, in November. So there goes some of the profits that we would have made, and basically it's a wash after all that time. You know, if we add in the travel time, and, and it just, that was our plan, it didn't work out. So it felt like God didn't provide, but he did. I mean, we were able to go and, and pick up Esther, and then uh, we adopted um, our other daughter, Marta, um, a few years later in 2010. And, and so unbeknownst to us, after that, a federal law changed. And for foreign and special needs adoptions, we got a, a tax refund and got every penny that we had spent of our own money, we got that back. We'd never dreamed. Something that, I mean, I didn't know that was a thing, just like Moses. How can that happen? We had no idea. So God provided that way. But you know, not every story is, is tied up with a nice, neat bow. Years ago, about 20 21, a little over 21 years ago to be exact, uh, my wife's father had a heart attack. He was playing tennis three times a week. He had water skied that summer. And so we prayed that he would be fine. We flew up to Colorado and he wasn't fine. Not at all. They turned life support systems off and, and he didn't make it. Um, God didn't provide. He's a godly man. 
elder in the church, 72 years old. Why, why would he not provide? We drove her mom all the way through Nebraska where they had their first home and um, took her all the way home and, and she's been a widow ever since. Um, but everybody on my wife's side, her sisters, their husbands, their kids, grandkids, they all follow the Lord. They didn't give up on God, people. They didn't give up on God. He knows what's best, even when it doesn't seem like it works out. So my challenge to you, again, don't give up on God. Don't give up on him. Don't give up on him. God does provide for his people. We're going to sing the ending of uh, the song that we sang before the sermon. And I want you just to, to think a little bit about, about a couple things. Take time to remember how God has provided. Thank him for that. Now, I want you to think about what you're struggling with. Maybe will you feel like God is failing you now. And how will you trust him this next week? I pray that Holy Spirit has convicted you to think, yes, this is my thing where I don't feel like God's providing. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to change my mind, to change my heart, to change my actions. I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to trust him. How will you do that? I want you to think about that.